Welcome to What's the Difference? Stories about lives changed because you made a difference. Brought to you by The Mount Church. Here's your host, Pastor Andrew Segree. Well, hey everyone, welcome to a bonus episode of What's the Difference? We created this series because we believe that Jesus is still making a difference today, even in 2021. So with each and every episode, you're going to hear from everyday people just like you, just like me. And we're going to ask the question, what's the difference? What's the difference that Jesus is making in you and through you? So with each and every episode, don't forget to hit that like or subscribe button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, so you don't miss a single episode. So for this bonus episode today, we are so excited to have on author and evangelist Chris Dew. Chris, welcome to this bonus episode of What's the Difference? Hey, it's an honor to be here, man. It's an honor. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. So good to have you. And, and we're going to get into, man, what, what God's been doing in your life and you know even how you recently spoke at our church. But before we do that, I know you've recently stepped into a brand new chapter yes. um, in your life into fatherhood. Man, why don't you just share a little bit about what that what that has been like having this brand new little baby girl in your home for just a couple of weeks? Man, it has been an absolute ride. I love my little girl. Um, yeah, she's she's a sweetheart. Evie Joy is what we're calling her. Yeah, Evelyn Joy. Um, and man, it's honestly, uh, haven't slept a whole lot to be honest with you, uh, but <laughs> yep. my, I don't know, man, it's just been a sweet season. Uh, you know, my yep. wife is a rock star. Kathleen is her name and it's just been yeah. a sweet season to hang out with her and, and, uh, to have all kinds of fluids on us from the baby. There's been puke, there's been poop, there's been, mm. there, there's been all kinds That's of That's just things. the start, man. It's just yeah. the start. It's only been a couple of weeks, man. So we're blessed though, man. Uh, the Lord has really blessed us with a sweet baby and yeah. uh, it's a sweet season for us. Yeah. That's so good, man. Congratulations. Um, I have four and um, I'm just going to go ahead and pray that this is your first of 12. Okay. Like I'm just praying that over you right now. <laughs> Is that a blessing? Or are you speaking curses over it? I'm just kidding. We'll see, right? We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, we're hoping uh, to have a few more for sure. Maybe three or four. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. Well, man, again, congratulations. And again, man, I'm so excited to hear your story, what God has done in you, uh, what he's doing through you now, um, and the difference that he's making in your life on how you've been able to overcome addiction. Uh, I want to get into all that. But before we do that, um, I just want to even just ask you the question, man. What what was it like growing up as as Chris do? You know, where are you from originally? What was it like in those early years growing up in your household? Yeah, man. So, um, had a pretty average upbringing. Yeah. Um, I'm originally from Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, you know, had two parents in the home. Uh, we had yeah. you know quite a bit of money. Had a big house. You know awesome Christmases, all that type of stuff, man. But the one thing that was kind of the hardest thing growing up was I had a horrible speech impediment, yeah. which means I could not talk at all. Um, mm -hmm. If you were like, hey, what's your name? I could not tell you my name. Mm -hmm. um, if I was out uh, to eat at a restaurant, uh, you know, I couldn't order my food. I'd have to write it down on a sheet of paper. Like, man, just just yeah, really hard, you know, with the speech impediment, a lot of anxiety all the time, honestly, uh, you know, mm -hmm. every um, conversation I had was a struggle, you know, every school day was a struggle. Um, and that was really kind of one of the huge things uh, that caused me uh, to kind of go in 
uh, to f- find an answer in addiction mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and weed and eventually heroin. Yeah. Yeah, man, man, you know, I can, I can relate to some of that. I mean, I had a, I had a stutter growing up. In fact, every once in a while, uh, it kind of still comes out too. Did uh, you really? I, I did. And in middle school, it was probably where it, it kind of peaked. Yep. And I yep, didn't, apparently there's, there's even a psychological term for it. I became a selective mute during that time where I literally would not say anything to anyone in school. In fact, my, my teachers would have to ask me a yes or no question. So I could shake my head. Yes. Or shake my head. No. And I would not respond. No way. Man. Question. Like it was crazy. It was so crazy. Yeah. That's man. That's great. Everywhere that I go, you know, that's one of the things that, uh, that I get to, to connect with people on man because yeah. everywhere you go there's these people that have had speech impediments or have speech impediments and yeah. uh, the pain there um yeah. is a common peril uh that a lot of people uh, do not understand and stuff so it's really cool uh to meet people uh that have that common pain in their past that's right All right if you can overcome it i can overcome it too right man <laughs> lord help me yeah definitely <laughs> Hey, man, well, um, I want to get into just a couple of things in your book. And um, again, I know I know what God has done in your life um, is not just for you. Like, I know mm-hmm. you've been sharing what he has done in your life. And, um, and it's probably one of the reasons, too, why you even wrote the book. Um, and in fact, if you're listening right now, the book is called The Real Answer to Addiction. And I would even encourage you, if you're listening on your podcast or even watching on YouTube, hit pause on this right now. Um, head to Amazon or is there, I don't know there's a better website to find it on. Uh, no, probably Amazon's the best way. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Hit pause, man. Go buy this book right now. It could really help you. It could really help someone that maybe you love or you care about who's battling addiction. Hmm. But I wanted to read something like in the, in the very early chapter of the book, one of the things you said is that on the outside, everything looked like you and your family had it all together, mm-hmm. but you were desperately empty on the inside. Man, when did you first begin to feel that way and realize, look, I'm just desperately empty on the inside? And then how did you how did you begin to know something was really, really missing in your life? Hey, to be honest with you, Andrew, man, it was it was early. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I hear people uh, that really talk about, hey, I had a great upbringing, and then when I was in my 20s or something, I really started realizing I was missing something. I would tell you from a very early age, um, yeah. as early as I can remember. Um, I just had this hole in me, it felt like. Um, and I think probably the speech impediment played into that as well. Sure. Uh, because, you know, having a childhood where that you can't really have any friends that you speak to, I mean, that's a that's a huge hole in your life uh, because we're made for community. So I think that played into a little bit. But then I think also just spiritually, man, like, uh, you know, I was not raised in the church at all. Um, I don't have any, or up until I was 20 years old, I didn't really have any church experience or any view of God. And, and um, when I was a little boy, even, uh, you know, I can remember going to sleep at night and contemplating eternity. I know that's kind of weird. I don't know if I'm the outlier there and that's super strange, but I remember like eight years old uh, that I would be uh, just kind of laying in bed at night and I would think, okay, if I were to die, (laughs) And then a hundred years went by, Mm. I wouldn't be here still. And then a thousand years went by, I still wouldn't be here. And Mm. then tens of thousands of years, I I would contemplate these things. And it's like, it explains in Ecclesiastes uh, that 
the Lord has put eternity in every person's heart, right? So even from a very young age, I had these huge questions of, man, I just feel like there's this hole in me and I don't know what happens to me after I die. Um, And I think all of that swirling kind of together uh, just made me feel like uh, that something was missing, (laughs) you know, like there was something in me uh, that was um, off. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's, it's always interesting to hear too, how um, even in the middle of that, like you, you know, there's something more, right? Like as you're Mm -hmm. contemplating eternity, um, you know, that wrestling that comes with that, it's like, it's like God's even trying to call us even in the middle of that. Um, I, I, you you tell the story in the book, you said, when you first tried uh, weed, you were trying to fill what was missing in your life. Um, and then you even made a promise that you would, you made a promise to yourself that you wouldn't try anything else besides this, and you're going to stop right there. Yep. Um, but then you did some things more. So wh- why wasn't that enough? And then why did you end up trying more and more and more? Yeah, man. So as a kid, uh, you know, you, you know, I had a lot of kind of innocent things uh, that I was looking for to try to f- fill the hole in me. And it was sports at first, uh, but I was short and white and can't jump very well. So that didn't, that didn't work very <laughs> hey, well. I did not say that. Okay, people, I did not say that. So. I, I did. I did. <laughs> uh, but then it was like, you know, popularity was a thing. If I can get real popular, if I can have all the cool clothes, then sure. I'll be able to fill that void in me. Um, and then it was all kinds of different things pornography even, uh, and went into all kinds of things. And then I smoked weed. And uh, the really the huge reason I did it was because I have this hole inside of me, I need to fill it with something, all these other things aren't really working, I'm just going to smoke weed. Um, And I was the kid that was like, man, all I'm going to do is smoke weed. uh, And I'm just going to be a hippie. You know, I'm going to grow weed in my backyard, like had the whole uh, plan there. Uh, But it was probably six months in uh, when I was, um, you know, I've been smoking weed almost every day ever since I started. Um, Yet I had a longing still, you know, the weed uh, was the closest thing I'd ever experienced uh, to feeling peace Mm -hmm. and satisfaction. Yet it still, uh, you know, uh, just really wasn't enough. I had an I had an itch in me I couldn't scratch still. Um, And I think that's uh, the reason why that I eventually got into harder and harder drugs uh, because it just, you know, even though that it kind of worked, I had a hole in me that it couldn't fill still. Um, And that's when I started trying other things to try to explore, all right, if this kind of worked, then if I do all these other pills, if I do cocaine, um, if I do Oxycontin and eventually heroin, then I'll be whole. And yeah. uh, the, the thing that I'm looking for is out there somewhere yet over and over again, all the drugs were instant satisfaction and then a long-term emptiness and lots of consequences uh, that went along with that. Yeah, man, early on, um, I, I know, you know, it, maybe eventually you got there, but early on, were you even thinking about like any of the consequences? Like, was there any fear wrapped up in any of that as you, or are you just like, um, was there any of just, I'm, I just want to do this to fill this. Like, ha- like early on, was there any, this, this idea, like this could really mess me up or were you just like, I'm just going to do this. I'm okay with this. Yeah. I mean, I think that I had little glimmers of that, uh, yeah. you know, cause I was 
know, I had a brain still, uh, you uh-huh. know, so I had these little pieces of this is probably going to have some really t- serious consequences. Um, and I remember people telling me, man, you have a drug problem. Like you have a serious drug problem. If you don't, you know, help yourself to get out of this, then you're going to have all these consequences, man. But I had a drug solution. <laughs> mm. Mm. I had an emptiness problem. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how I felt in those moments and kind of how I processed it was even if I experience consequences, the hole that's in my soul um, has to be filled. And I don't care how many consequences that I have to go through uh, because this emptiness is eating me alive. Um, And I would rather have it filled and then eventually have huge consequences than to, uh, to be in my own skin without anything to fill that void in my soul. Yeah. And you, you mentioned too that again, you tried all these other things, but then you kind of landed on like heroin was your drug of choice. Yeah. Like what, like why that one? Um, like why why did you settle on that one um, for a while? Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I think probably like I had friends that liked the uh, the uppers, is what they call them, right? So cocaine or meth and stuff like that, because they wanted uh, to be awake and alert and feel alive and all this. Uh, but I think I hated my life so much, Andrew, that uh, that I wanted to be uh, you know on a lower you know, on a downer is what they call them. Uh, you know, so I wanted to be asleep as much Mm -hmm. as possible, uh, because I hated life so much and, uh, that it was just what, um, helped me to not feel all the emotions, uh, that I had and, and the emptiness and the anxiety from the speech impediment. Um, and so I think that's probably why I landed on that one. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned too, um, that at some point, you know, you start to feel like, hey, hey, it's time to start pumping the brakes on this. Um, how did you know it was time to start pumping the brakes? <laughs> and were, were you able, were you able to pump the brakes? Like what, what, what did that look like? What led to that? And what did that look like? Yeah, man. So once um, uh, that I'd been using heroin for a little bit, um, I ended up in a, uh, it's a mental hospital at mm-hmm. 16 years old. Um, I checked into my first mental institution and I think at that point it was like, this is pretty serious, <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, uh, this is not just, I'm having fun on the weekends or that I've got this little habit over here. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm in a institution at 16 years old. Um, and then all the consequences started happening you know, the health issues, the uh, financial issues. Uh, my parents ended up splitting up and, and uh, you know, they got a divorce. Um, you know, I wasn't able to go to school a whole lot uh, because I was just strung out and, and uh, selling drugs so to keep up the habit. Um, all kinds of things happened uh, that were practical um, consequences of my actions. Um, and it was just one of those things Like one time I'll explain this story, man, but I got in a wreck. Uh, I was coming home from, uh, you know, getting high, um, ended up uh, that I nodded out and I ran a stoplight mm-hmm. and uh, it was this huge pile up, all these cars. Uh, there was kids in some of the cars and stuff. Oh, wow. um, and it was just one of those things, man, of, of um, 
up until that point, I think everything uh, that I've felt invincible, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm 15, 16, 17 years old, you know, I'll make it through all this. Hadn't really experienced hard consequences in my life yet. But at that point of, of you know, uh, that woke up and there's all these cops, all these cars, uh, it's right in the middle of one of the busiest uh, just kind of intersections in Raleigh. And I just had this moment of clarity of I'm in handcuffs. I'm 17 years old at this point. And I just had a moment of clarity of, man, I, I, I have uh, to do something different. Um, and that's when I was like, man, all right, let's try everything. And I, sure. I literally tried everything, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I tried all the meetings, the AA meetings, the NA meetings. I tried inpatient treatment, outpatient treatment. I tried counseling. I tried medications. I, I, I literally everything that I could get my hands on uh, yeah. that I could try to, man, f- fix what was happening in me uh, to quit the drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't, man, I couldn't. Yeah. Um, and I remember this one time, uh, that I'd gotten in some trouble. Um, and, uh, the court system was like, Hey, it's your first offense. Uh, you know, so let's have some treatment. Um, you know, I think it was like three meetings a week I had to go to. And, uh, the f- first meeting I went and uh, the people there said, Hey, all you have to do all you have to do to get through this, have your license back, all this is going to be wiped off your record, is to mm-hmm. come here two or three times a week mm-hmm. and uh, to not drink or get high. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And all this is going to be off your record. Um, and I remember I was on the way home crying my eyes out because I knew right when I get home, I'm getting high. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's no other, I cannot stop doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, I think that uh, that it's at that point where uh, that I kind of came to the end of myself of, yeah. I can't do this on my own. I've tried all the things uh, that uh, the world would say, this is your action step mm-hmm. of how to get off of this. I don't know. It didn't work for me. Yeah, man. So you tried pumping the brakes. You tried all these systems and procedures. What led to the difference? Like, how did you overcome um, this addiction that had led you down this road? And you're starting to realize, look, I, you know, some of these things are leading to consequences. And even no matter how much I try to fill that hole with this, it's so temporary. And it seems like the hole might even be getting bigger. Like, what, what led to the change? Yeah, man. So when I was 18 years old, uh, my closest friend in the world OD'd and died. Mm. And, uh, you know, at that point uh, that you think, all right, like he's probably going to stop now because his homie, uh, you know, passed away and died. Uh, but it was just ammunition to keep going at that point. But then about a year and a half later from that, um, uh, that I was living with, uh, you know, my dad at the time. And uh, it was early one morning, I heard his alarm going off in the other room. And I went in there and he had had a massive heart attack and he passed away Mm. and I found my dad. Mm. And at that point, man, like, I'm pretty sure that's the most alone I'd ever felt in my life was just, man, like, here's my rock. You know, every time that I'm in trouble, he comes to the rescue. You know, when I was out there in that wreck, he came in and, and he was able to get me out of, um, the handcuffs out of jail, everything I'd ever needed. 
he was there to come in and help, uh, but now he wasn't. And um, at that point I got like, you know, I think it was like 80 grand or something from uh, his, uh, the insurance as a life insurance and inheritance and stuff. And from that point on, man, I went full tilt into addiction. All that 80 grand I had, I spent it in about 18 months. Gosh. Yeah. Just, I mean, just went in. I had a job at the time too. So I was working and I spent the 80 grand all in 18 months. Um, and then I had, uh, I was a friend uh, that, uh, that ended up moving in with me as a, as a little girl I met um, and she moved in with me. And, uh, you know, at the time uh, she was kind of clean cut and, uh, you know, wasn't doing hard drugs. Uh, but by the time it was a few months after she moved in, uh, she was also doing heroin as well. And at uh, the very end there, uh, when I, about a week prior to checking in uh, to go to treatment and then it gets good. The story gets good after this. Um, I've found her on the floor as well, you know, uh, and had, had all these flashbacks of my dad, you know, of, of, of him on the floor. So, but her, uh, we ended up uh, called the ambulance and she was able to be okay after that, but it happened twice within that last week uh, of her, overdosing and me finding her. Um, I hit the point where uh, that was out of money mm-hmm. and uh, the options were uh, to either be homeless or uh, to try treatment one more time. Mm-hmm. And I ended up at a place in Florence, South Carolina. It's called the Owl's Nest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd been there about a week and I was a hundred pounds when I got there, Andrew, oh, like wow. literally six feet tall, almost and a hundred pounds. Yeah. had track marks up and down my arms, um, had the speech impediment still. I couldn't talk hardly at all. And about a week in, it was Christmas Eve of 2010 uh, that I was invited uh, to go to a church service. Mm-hmm. And I heard uh, that there was pretty girls and cool music. So I was like, let's, let's ride. I'll go. There you go. Let's go, huh? Let, let's, let's <laughs> uh-huh. go. Um, and I went and I heard, I heard about Jesus. I heard the gospel. And um, I had heard that stuff before, uh, but it hit differently on this night, man. Like I was at the true poor in spirit place of I've tried everything. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Um, All my close friends and family have passed away, you know, there or um, are in prison or mental institutions, man. So I, I don't have any other options. And I heard about how Jesus um, was actually a real person, that he actually came to earth, uh, that he lived a perfect life in my place, that he was crucified on a criminal's cross. He was placed in the tomb. He rose from the grave. And that if I place my trust and my faith in him, if I hand him all the broken pieces of my life, he could turn this crazy story into a beautiful uh, story in the long run. And man, I think at that point, I didn't understand all the implications of what they were talking about, uh, but the Holy Spirit (laughs) drew me to true faith. Um, And I decided in that moment, hey, I'm going to hand over all my old ways, all my old habits, all my old mindsets, and I'm going to go all in for Jesus and I did, man. And I've been yeah. clean ever since. And 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 about three months into this, um, 
So I'm at the treatment center still trying to live this life, you know, trying to follow Jesus. I'm reading the Bible, all these things. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, um, hey, I'm going to have you preaching one day. Mm. And I was like, nah, bro. Like, like I'll, I'll do anything other than uh-huh. that because uh, sure. your boy can't talk, right? I can't uh-huh. order food at restaurants. I'm having a lot of trouble speaking still. Uh, but he said, um, hey, I made your mouth. I can do anything I want with yeah, you. That's right. Yeah. And I said, all right, man, I'm in. Uh-huh. So that was almost 11 years ago. Mm. And slowly over the course of time, he's healed my speech almost all the way. Um, and now yeah. this is what I get to do all the time is uh, to travel around, speak at churches, share my story. Yeah, man, that's so good. And again, it's just this great picture um, of how God does meet us right in our brokenness and how even if we're at our at our ends, man, he can still provide this incredible re- rescue um, redemption, and there's no one who's too far from God. Mm-mm, come um, on, but let, let me uh, let, let me just push back a little bit because I know there might be some people listening right now and think, you know, man, I've heard that before, right? Like, mm-hmm. is, you know, Jesus is the answer. Um, man, is that true? <laughs> is that really true? Like, was Jesus really the answer to this brokenness that was in your life? Well, I mean, for me, mm-hmm. he was. <laughs> I had, I'd literally tried everything else other than this. Uh, but when I heard the gospel, I placed my faith in Jesus. Um, I got a taste of the pleasure I had been looking for all along. Yeah. And man, he, he speaks this in his word, right? He says that I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. And so he's the way to freedom. You know, he's the only way to freedom I've ever found uh, that actually works, man. So absolutely. He is, he's the answer to addiction. Yeah. But do you, do you still feel like you're, you're tempted today um, with, you know, maybe to go back to any of those things? um, And then how do you feel like you, how do you feel like you, you push against that even today? Yeah, absolutely, man. So we have a flesh still. And on this side of eternity, uh, before Christ returns, uh, that we're going to wrestle with sin. That is the yeah. reality of the human condition of, um, you know, uh, just our lives as Christians. But I'll tell you this, that I really do believe that he took the uh, desire for drugs and alcohol away from me. Uh, that I struggle in other areas. I absolutely yeah. do. And there's times that I'm hanging out with friends and they're all having a beer and I'm like, it'd be super nice to have a blue moon right now. You know what Uh I mean? (laughs) Uh, But then I play the tape all the way through. It's like every other time uh, that I had, you know, Hey, I'm just gonna have one beer, right? That, that happens Mm -hmm. so many times, Andrew, where it's like, I'm clean for three days and it's cool though. I'm gonna have one. Yeah. And then I'd have one. And then by the end of the night, I'm in Crackville, I'm Mm -hmm. scoring some heroin and it's, it's done. Yeah. I mean, so I've got to play the tape all the way through in my mind of I can't touch that stuff uh, because I know how I'm wired as a human and uh, that it will not be good, man. So that's a part of it. And then honestly, uh, the practical things, um, I explain a lot of this in uh, the book, mm-hmm. but having strong community uh, yeah. that hold me accountable, uh, that I can, mm-hmm. you know, uh, call on the phone, man. Cause that's normally what I do, man. When I have a temptation of any kind uh, that I pray and say, Hey God, will you remove this? Um, and if it's there still after a few minutes, I'm picking up the phone. 
And I'm gonna call one of my friends and say, Hey, listen, here's the crazy thought I just had. I'm not going to act on it, but I just had to call and yeah. uh, to tell on myself. There you go. That's good. Um, yeah. You know, so that's one of the things. And then honestly, you know, uh, to um, practice spiritual disciplines is a huge part of that. Uh, you know, and how I explain it sometimes is that, uh, that if a homeless man is on the t- side of the road and he hasn't eaten in three or four days and there's a half eaten cheeseburger on the side of the road, mm-hmm. he could pick it up and eat it sure, because he's that hungry, right? He's like, man, I haven't eaten. I don't care who slobbered on this thing before. I'm, I'm eating this thing yeah. because I haven't eaten. Uh, but if I'm walking down the same street and I had a good smoothie this morning, had some spinach up in that mug, right? I had, okay. <laughs> had some greens, That's had some thing. almond butter, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Like it was this, it was this healthy meal. I'm not eating that half eaten cheeseburger. If it's on the side of the road, I'm going to kick it out of the way. Yeah. And I think spiritually speaking, uh, that if we aren't in the word, aren't praying, aren't practicing spiritual disciplines and having intimacy with the God of the universe, then when, uh, temptation comes, sin is presented, I'm probably going to, um, act on that because uh, that I'm not spiritually satisfied yeah. yet. If I had a good time in the word this morning, you know, um, uh, the Holy spirit and I are good. I'm praying, we're talking, I'm in community, all those things, mm-hmm. man, when t- sin presents itself, I'm like, nah, I'm good because yeah. I already ate today. That's good. That's good, man. You know, I, I love, you know, I think it's in Ephesians where it says, you know, don't get drunk on wine, but be drunk on the spirit, be filled with the spirit. It's like this continual filling. And, you know, people, I know sometimes like people even kind of boil down what we teach as, you know, pastors, evangelists, uh, as we're teaching God's word, like, oh, you're just your Bible reading and prayer, but it's so much more than that. Like mm-hmm. you said, it is, it is, it is literally eating the goodness of God. Yes, it's literally on. getting filled up on him. So that's so good, man. That's such a good reminder. Like in however we're tempted, because we're all tempted in some way, we all battle addictions of some kind, um, but filling up on the right things are so, so important, man. That is so good. And I I want to ask you one more question um, before we we close out this episode. This wasn't in the notes that I sent you, um, but I was just thinking about um, before you came and spoke at our church, uh, the couple of weeks before that, we actually did a parenting series here at the Mount. And I was just thinking about how, man, you're battling all these addictions. You're battling all these addictions as a teenager. And now you're a dad uh, with a little girl. Again, first of 12, my prophecy (laughs) over you, first of 12. I don't Um, receive it. (laughs) (laughs) um, But I just wanted to, man, ask you if if you could just speak to the the parent right now uh, who has a kid in their home who's battling addiction. What would you say to encourage that parent? And then maybe what's even a step or two that they could take to help their child in this season? Maybe it's even something you wish you would have gotten, um, but maybe maybe what's something you can say to encourage them, maybe one or two steps that they can take to help their help that child in this season? It's a great question, man. Um, I think uh, that one of the things I've heard, and this is from, uh, you know, Al-Anon stuff, is that the three C's is what they say, uh, that you didn't cause it, uh, that you didn't, uh, uh, that you can't control it and that you can't cure it. Those are the three C's, right? So, um, you know, with uh, having conversations with my mom, 
and stuff when she's like, what did I do wrong? You know, what was, what was there? Uh, the biggest thing as I tell her is you didn't cause it. Yeah. Uh, that you can't control it mm-hmm. and uh, that you can't cure it. Um, and I think that's really helpful to know that, Hey, it's not on your shoulders, you know, that, that it's not your fault uh, that your kids are in addiction. Uh, but I would say a few action steps, uh, you know, one is pray for your kids. That's right. Pray for them. I really believe uh, the reason why I'm clean and sober right now and uh, that I'm in church and, and following Jesus is that I had a few second cousins and uncles mm-hmm. and, and uh, um, friends and relatives mm-hmm. who would not give up on me, who mm-hmm. spent time on their knees pleading before the father saying, please help this kid. Yeah. So pray for him pray for him. I think the other thing is uh, to keep the relationship intact, uh, but try not to enable them. And that's a fine line, you know, because sure. there's times that yeah. we want to just hand them money and say, Hey, it's okay. Like you go to the, man, they ain't going to the movies, right? They're, uh-huh. they're going to get drunk. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, to keep the relationship intact, uh, but try not to enable them. Um, and then lastly, man, spend time with them face to face, ask them questions, have a real relationship with them. Because I think that uh, that a lot of kids, um, and this is part of my story, is uh, they have these pains, a speech impediment, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, this emptiness, or or anything else that uh, that they have inside of them uh, that is their main thing in life, uh, but they haven't ever really expressed how they feel about it. So have conversations with them, spend time with them, you know, uh, to look them in the eyes, um, you know. It, and I think over the course of time that as you yeah. pray for them, as you spend time with them, and also that you don't uh, have all the weight on your shoulders, uh, that who knows what God might do. Yeah. And that's so good, man. That's so rich. I think that is very helpful. And man, I'm, I'm praying that for somebody who might even be listening right now as well. Well, Chris, man, thank you so much, man, for taking time to join us for this bonus episode of What's the Difference? Again, man, you are a picture of what God can do with a life surrendered to him. Man, hearing your story and knowing that you know what God has done for you is not just for you and sharing that, man, I believe God's going to just pay dividends into the kingdom um, because you were willing to serve him and you surrendered to him. And of course, again, if you're watching and listening, get the book, The Real Answer to Addiction by Chris Dew. Um, Like I said, I think it could really help you understand Someone who you love and care about is battling addiction. It can help you. It could even help somebody that you really care about. Make sure you grab that and pick that up. But man, thank you again for joining us for this episode of What's the Difference? Hey, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. Hey, man. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to What's the Difference? Click on subscribe to make sure you get the next episode with Pastor Andrew. Connect with us for more resources and information on how you can make a difference at mtarrat.org. See you at the mound.